Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the Yahoo Sports College Podcast. With Dan Wetzel. You're not becoming Alabama. Maybe you can become Gonzaga, but the odds are one in Gonzaga. (laughs) (laughs) Beat them all. Yeah, South Carolina is like is like sneaky aspirational Auburn is what we uh, is what we learned. (laughs) And SI's Pat Forty. Dan Wetzel (laughs) savages Hartford field hockey because he can. Here's Pat, Pete, and Dan. All right, I had to really enjoy this one from the New York Times, May 8th, 2021. New York Times, which crowned UConn the national champion last year for not playing. Remember that? that oh, football. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What football. a great moment. Yeah. It was a great moment. Great headline. NCAA chief pressured by state laws pushes to let athletes cash in. Mark <laughs> Emmerich is pushing so under just a bull in a China been- shop. I don't even know what to say. Under a proposal that has been before NCAA members for months, how about freaking decades, student-athletes could be paid in exchange for the use of their name, image, and likeness by many private companies. The plan that would take effect August 1 would also let players earn money through advertisements on their social media accounts. We need to get a vote on these rules that are in front of the members now, Emirates said. Our hero. (laughs) Proactive, forward thinker. Yep. Wow. Visionary, I, really. Visionary. Yeah. I take yeah. no, uh, I'm really not taking a shot at the New York Times because good, they got the comments, he talks to them and all that. But hey, Mark Emery, demanding vote now. What have we been doing, Mark? <laughs> this is a problem. We have all these different state laws. He's begging for the federal government to bail them out and come up with a rule. And you get this whole Georgia thing. Well, uh, you can pool the money, but we won't pool the money. But and then, you know, you got like the Georgia, Georgia University. We would never we we are into the athletes getting their share of the money. Really opposed this for 50 years. (laughs) You're really real freedom fighters here, Georgia, Georgia Tech and every other school in America. All of a sudden, everyone is on the bandwagon, including Mark Emery. How about that? (laughs) They've found religion. Hallelujah. Heartwarming, it really is. Yeah, <laughs> you know, to see to see Mark just being a fearless agent of change, showing that leadership, cutting edge. I mean, this is just it's it's hilarious. After uh, yes, opposing every square inch of turf for seventy years, the NCAA and Mark Emmert certainly did his part. 
to oppose, obstruct, delay, deny, uh, you know, raise the specter of unionizing and, you know, being fired and this and that. I mean, every possible doomsday scenario they could come up with, the NCAA did. And now this is what it is. It's like you are backed into a corner and there are two results here. One is a result where athletes are going to get paid and you're not going to have control over it. Two is athletes are going to get paid and you might have some control over it. So all of a sudden, you got to come out with your hands up and claim that you are now on the side of those you have opposed forever. So beautiful, not shocking. Also not shocking, the New York Times got this story. This is one the NCAA likes to give stuff to the New York Times. So it's probably one of those things I can't say for sure, but you get a call on Friday. Hey, would you like to talk to Mark Emmert? He would like to, to talk about some stuff to you. And then there you go. And there's the story. And then the rest of us can say, good for the New York Times for getting the scoop, but this is bull crap. That call <laughs> never comes to me. I've never gotten that call. <laughs> no, it very rarely comes to me. I got it when I was at the New York Times a few times. But uh, yes, mm-hmm. that, that is the the search for skepticism-free coverage of Mark Emmert is a pretty short search at this point, I would say. And again, Kudos to them for getting the comments we're all talking about. So it is uh, it is it is very little to do with the, them, and it has a lot to do with Mark Emirates. I'm going to credit Ralph Russo. I listened to his podcast this weekend. He does a great job uh, at the AP. He referred to Mark Emirates as a meat shield, which I, <laughs> a term I had never heard. But the, the, the vision of him sort of just covered in ground beef, <laughs> I'm not like, taking bullets. I just pictured like ground beef on like a, like a lo- meat locker hanger. And you could see like the outride of Mark Emmert movies, like white hair puffing through and then just bullets like literally like filled through. And that will be uh, part of his uh, part of his legacy is just the guy who did nothing. And the presidents who wanted nothing done approved of him doing nothing. It is just a case study in the power of apathy, indecision and you know, ineptitude, really like the, the the complete lack of vision and ambition that Mark Emmerich and Donald Remy, uh, his former uh, number two and everyone in Annapolis showed is certainly an indictment to them in their tenure. But it's really also an indictment of the greater presidents at large here. And we've certainly dug in on the presidents. I've done it a few times in column. We've ripped them on the podcast, but they are just their complete lack of caring enough to try to change the system is forcing the system to be changed. But now Mark Emmerich casting himself as a hero change agent is just like the richest, most hilarious thing of all time. It's actually perfect. Like if you're going to write the Saturday Night Live skit of how this name, image and likeness uh, situation unfolded, like Mark Emmerich casting himself as the conquering hero at the end to, to help serve the student athletes would be exactly what you would, uh, would would be exactly what you would write. This what six, seven years ago, they had a chance, Pat, you know, to. Oh, to, yeah, I would say so. I would say so. Yes. I mean, yeah. And I mean, they've had various chances over the years. But, yeah, six, seven years ago when things started to get real and serious. And if you guys remember. I'll let Dan talk in a sec here. But uh, last year at this time was when they had their big announcement. We're going to do it. We're going to have name, image, and likeness. We are pushing this thing through. We're going to vote on it in January. It's going to happen. And then they had a press conference, and Emmert just basically deflected everything to Gene Smith and Val Ackerman. Said it was their committee. You guys, you guys come up with the answers. And there were no answers. Everything was so completely vague. 
And they've gotten no no further really since then, other than the fact that more states have pushed them to the brink of this point where the president now has to come out and say, we're doing it. Yeah, I mean, look, I don't I don't think 50 years ago, 25 years ago, even 15 years ago, you needed to necessarily do this. But in the last, you know, the moment to change perspective was done a couple of years ago, at least. And that's when you it, it, this was going to come. You were going off the cliff and you need to control your product. So that's my problem with it. Uh, but hey, here we are. It's uh, it's going to happen. So we'll, we'll obviously talk a lot of name, image and likeness going forward. On the flip side, another kind of interesting development in uh, in college athletics. The University of Hartford, University of Hartford is a D1 program. America East, they made the NSA basketball tournament this year. For the first time, was it ever or in a long ever. time? Yes, it was first ever. time ever. Yeah. They are now going Division Three. They are dropping out of Division One and going Division Three. You see, Riverside considered this; they're going to stay in Division One. Uh, I think this is a very interesting uh, deal. Hartford basically says they're not getting a whole. I mean, look, I'll, I'll just read through the line. I don't care about all the our commitment to our hardworking athletes. They're losing $9.2 million they think they can save by going from D1 to D3. We'll see. I think they're looking at Division I athletics and saying, what are we getting out of this? Now, the ba- they didn't expect the basketball team to finally go to the NCAA basketball tournament. But, you know, they, they clearly are looking at the school. The school is not doing uh, tremendously well. Look, at demographics in this country do not bode well for a lot of schools. There's less kids. You, you know, enrollment challenges you can talk to any admissions department other than, you know, your your super elite schools that are just getting bombarded with everybody trying to get in. But a lot of schools like a Hartford are is not, you know, they're not sitting there going, boy, we're, we're good. We're good. Nothing. Nothing can get us. So I wonder if this is the canary in the coal mine. And I may be wrong, but that there's a whole bunch of lower division one. There was a rush to get to division one because it sort of brought a cachet and a, a supposed marketing plan. And there's this whole concept that it's the front porch of the university. And I think that's 100% true when you're Alabama uh, or you're even Gonzaga or you can do that. But it's very, very difficult to become those places. If, if even possible, you're not becoming Alabama. Maybe you can become Gonzaga, but the odds are one in Gonzaga. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just make Gonzaga a numerical? Uh, I think I did. I think right. I did. A big number right. too. Big number. I did not make Gonzagillion. Yeah. Yeah. So I wonder whether people are looking the way I did when I went to school and said, "Wait, this this cross country runner has a free ride, but the student body president doesn't." Um, I think Hartford, and hear me out. I think they're looking at this and saying, "Every athlete here we can replace that we're giving a free ride to." We can replace with someone who will pay to play on our team. Travel sports in this country is so enormous of an industry. And there are so many families that spend so much money through the years traveling all over for every one of these sports, basketball, lacrosse, field hockey, soccer, volleyball, whatever it is. And they are willing and actually eager to have their children continue playing in college as a D3, play D3. There are more kids that are dying to play D3 sports than there are spots in Division Three. And so you can get an entire field hockey team 
that will pay full boat to say, I'm playing field hockey at the University of Hartford. And they, they actually have sign. You see them up on like social media. People signed with a Division three. Uh, that doesn't exist. Yeah, there's no, <laughs> thing, not there's a no letter thing. of intent to sign for D3, right? <laughs> right? That's not a real thing, okay? <laughs> like, God bless you. You want to celebrate the kids' hard work. I got no problem. But that's not how it works, okay? You're not Trevor Lawrence. That's not – there is no D3 national letter of intent. There's no scholarship. You might get a cut in your thing. There are entire universities in Division Three that have a major – either 50% or more of their students are student-athletes. They're filling their their undergraduate ranks. If you're Hartford, I think you will not only fill every one of these spots with a full-paying student, you will get better student, you'll get better students. Because there's a whole bunch of lacrosse kids and all these kids that have really good grades and come from upper upper income families and really good school districts where these country club sports are matter are going, yeah, we're going to Hartford, baby. And look at how great the facilities are because you already invested. I think this thing's going to be a boon. And I think, now this is a long-term kind of wild prediction, but I think this is the first of a bunch of these. And I'm sticking my neck out. I don't know. But I think some of these schools are going to go, man, I get a heck of a lot more being a good D3 than a lousy D1. Pat, you uh, know more about, you have three Division I student-athletes. So you didn't have to sniff around with the D3 folks, but <laughs> <laughs> you certainly are a veteran of the travel sports uh, industrial complex. Yes. Uh, your thoughts on my theory? Uh, you might be right. Uh, I, I, you know, I can't say I can't say for sure you'd be wrong to me. Yeah, there's no doubt that there are kids that want to play their sports and there are parents that want to see their kids play their sports in college. My suspicion or maybe th this is. Partially informed speculation is that athletes who go to Division I schools, many of whom do not have full ride scholarships, and those scholarships actually or those students make money for the schools because there's a whole lot more of them on those teams than there are scholarships available. So you get a lot of walk ons or half scholarships, partial scholarship people. I think they're more likely to stay at that school and involved in that sport at a D1 level than they are at a lower level. Uh, if you're at a D3 school, you may start out and say, like, you know, nah, this isn't very much fun and I don't have a scholarship on the line and I'm not that committed and neither is the school. So I'm out and maybe they stay in school, but maybe they transfer. Whereas I think that there is a better chance of retaining those people in those sports at a D1 level. So you're looking to use your example, Dan, you said field hockey. Uh, I looked this up. Where is it here? Uh, field hockey. They give. Uh, 12 scholarships. So at the D1 level. So if you're looking to say you're, let's not use North Carolina because they're the best of the best. Let's, you know, somebody mid-level, mid but a state school, um, you know, with $40,000. Maryland. Maryland. All right. $40,000 for an in-state. I don't know what it would be for an out-of-state. Say, say 10 of those. That's 400000 or in-state. Something like that. So anyway, roughly a half a million dollars in scholarship money versus half million you're getting. I don't know. It's that that's that big a number to make it worthwhile necessarily. Not for Maryland, down. but for Maryland for, Easter Shore. Yeah, Maryland, for, Baltimore for, County. Yeah, Maryland, Baltimore County for Stony Brook for Hartford. No, the the big schools are going to keep being D one. Yeah, I'm talking about how how many scholarships? Okay, let's say what? How many kids on a field hockey team? Twenty kids, twenty five kids. 
Yeah, roughly. Okay, let's say Hartford gives out six scholarships for those 25 now, or or 10. Or they give, mm-hmm. let's say they give the whole 12 to try to be Title IX. All right, let's yeah, just, they probably don't. Let's say yeah. they give the full 12, but they probably don't. They're still going to have a 25-person field hockey team. They're just going to have 12 more full scholarships. And so I, I think you load up your teams with full-paying student students. Now, maybe you give cuts because everybody gives – like going to college is like buying a car. The sticker There's the sticker price, and then there's, oh, there's a rebate, and there's this, and it's, you know, <laughs> we're going out of business on Wednesdays, you know, and, and whatever. So you get a cut, cut down. Everyone kind of gets a cut down unless you're totally uh, loaded, right? So – but I, I think they get more money out of just having D3 because there's all of a sudden this there, there there's tens of thousands of kids dying to pay full boat to play sports at your college. Opposed to, hey, we need to get you to come here and play field hockey. So we're going to give you 50 percent off. Now, maybe your field hockey player isn't as good, but who the hell knew how good your field hockey player was before? <laughs> Right. All right. I'm just going to stop all this common sense and I'm going to stop all this math and I'm going to stop all these things we never do on this podcast. And I'm just going to react to this with emotion, raw emotion. This sucks. It sucks for Hartford. It sucks for John Gallagher. It sucks for a team that just was on this unprecedented high. They led Baylor. It had midway through the first half of their 16-1 game in the NCAA tournament. Went down from Boston to Hartford for their America East final. There were obviously no fans because of the pandemic. It was as memorable of a day as a reporter if I had in the last year. John Gallagher sprinted off the court and thanked all the janitors who, who were there. His whole ethos at Hartford is the neighborhood, right? Do it for the neighborhood, do it for the neighborhood. He's done a great job. John's obviously one of the most charismatic guys I know. Pat has shared a beer or 12 with him in the, in the day at the Final Four. He he really had brought in that whole community around Hartford. And, uh, you know, one of, John's a very good coach, but his greatest strength is his charisma. And he'd done a, like, unbelievable job 10, 11 years in at Hartford with outreach, with connectivity, with all those things that if you are a Division One school, that's what you want as your, as your front porch. I believe every player on the team was coming back next year. They would have been favored to win the America East. John did not tell me this, but I I had read a few different places that even with the imminent cut, all the players have still agreed to return. I believe they have two years left of Division One. So this is this is my criticism of Hartford in this case. And I I can't say I've spent a ton of time on this, but Dan, you know, these like Minnesota State and the one you always pronounce wrong, Bemidji, RPI, like there are these schools that are Division One in just one sport. And right. you can argue there is no better basketball state in the country than Connecticut. Now, Kentucky could maybe make it, but whatever. It's a top five basketball state. That is inarguable considering the, the, the fan sport they get for men and for women at UConn. You also have a very unofficial list of Central Connecticut, Sacred Heart. Yale has been an excellent program. Like people in that state, Deeply, deeply care. Uh, Fairfield has had some moments and runs in the past. Deeply, lots deeply of care. talent, lots yes. of recruitable talent. Correct. You're mid, yes, middle you all the prep Boston and New York. New yes, York. Yep. yes. Right. Like there is, there is. This is not just some 
directional school that has basketball has basketball. It was a strategy a bunch of years ago. I was surprised they didn't make the tournament when Vin Baker was there, uh, who went on to a long, uh, decorated NBA career. If there is a sport at the University of Hartford that should be Division One, it should be basketball, men's, men's and women's basketball. There's just too much locally that makes sense. They're in the perfect league, the America East. They're not like flying to Omaha for conference games. It's all self-contained. You can go play by games on a bus. We could do their by game schedule right now, right? You, you send them to Syracuse, to BC, to Providence, to UConn. Like this isn't, this isn't hard. I, I'm certainly not going to advise anybody to lose $9 million a year, right? There is, there is a common sense of this, but like, shouldn't the leadership at Hartford be creative enough to meet in the middle and say, we can use college basketball in one of America's best college basketball states as an asset. We can ride off this momentum from the NCAA tournament. We're in a position to be a consistent NCAA tournament contender. We can be on CBS. We can be on ESPN in the conference title game. They were in that great 11 a.m. spot on uh, the Saturday before Selection Sunday that the America East has had for, uh, for for a long time. Certainly, they're not getting you know Super Bowl numbers there, but. It's people talking about Hartford, people visiting Hartford, rallying the campus, the community, the neighborhood, as John calls it. So I'm disappointed from that aspect that the leadership there could not be created enough to maximize what has been built into an asset and is currently a like fluorescent asset. So yeah. I, I hear I like that. I, I, I like the one sport and maybe that's where this is going. You just have men's and women's basketball. Or hockey, men's and women's hockey, if you're Minnesota Duluth or whatever you do. You go D3 and more of these. I, I think that's a well, I think that's a fair compromise. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to change the com completely change the NCAA bylaw structure. I mean, which maybe you can. And, but, but how do know, they do it in hockey? I mean, Duluth is still offering uh, Duluth offering Division One sports across the board. So I believe, and I know this from covering lacrosse back in the day, that you can't have an exception where one team goes like Hobart, John Hopkins, Hobart, John Hopkins uh, John, is a good John example. Hopkins, right. Yeah. Um, and then there's a couple upstate, I think RPI, Dan, right. Is division yeah. one hockey union, union yes. college. Yeah. So I would, again, I, I am not sitting here with the NCAA rule book open, but UMass Lowell, Merrimack, yes. there's a ton in hockey. And maybe yes. they always let hockey get away with everything because nobody cares. <laughs> there's nobody in the NCAA that cares about hockey. Zero people. So they're just like, yeah. the whole league, you can get drafted and still play college hockey. You can play in the summer with like the amount of rules that every hockey player breaks that they would have a conniption if a basketball player did <laughs> is unbelievable. They have no rules in hockey because they're just like, wait, we have a hockey thing. What is that? These crazy people in Minnesota care about. I don't just let them do their thing. We don't care. But yeah, I that, maybe you I, can't that, in basketball. Maybe I just went I, on a completely. But they should never heard of a basketball. No, they won't exception. allow it because it's basketball. But it's like, yeah. dude, is it Bellarmine, Pat? Isn't Bellarmine? No, Bellarmine, Bellarmine's D one across the board. Which they are. Their board is very small. You yeah. know, it's like basketball, lacrosse, track and field, cross country. I mean, I don't know what else they got, but they do not. I have think football. this is. I think this is the future. Now, it's probably the future in the NCA takes a long time. <laughs> we finally got Mark Emmerich to admit that maybe because the state of California made him, you know, you might have to let a guy make a buck. If I'm one of these schools that are just kicking around, why why am I at the University of Hartford? Why am I giving a field hockey player a scholarship? And they're never going to say this in their little releases, OK, because they can't. But they're like our entire field hockey team are a bunch of rich kids who will gladly pay us to come here. 
stereotyping. Well, if not, we'll find 25 rich kids. If you're sitting around the meeting room actually having the meeting, travel sports is insanity. It's insane. You cannot even get to be a recruitable college athlete unless you are traveling nonstop in junior freaking high for most right. of these sports. Okay? You can't. That old, well, it's just a good old three-sport athlete over here at the Central High School. That doesn't exist anymore. These kids in field hockey been doing field hockey camps and skill sessions and all the different stuff and traveling all over, and they get – so damn good at the sport. I mean, the, believe me, I would say like I'm not a field hockey expert. You might be surprised to know, but I'm guessing the field hockey teams of today would absolutely murder the field hockey teams of 25 years ago. Hartford could win the national title in 1983, but that's just how it is. They're too, these kids are too skilled. They're too good. Everyone's too good at it. But it's like you've got all of these parents that are like, man, I invested all this money. To me, it's like make them pay. That, you know, I mean, it's heartless. I'm not, I know this, I'm supposed to be like pro college sports and I am, but it's like, man, if you're running a business, you're like, what are we doing? Well, yeah, lots of things to address there. First of all, you, you are not running a business per se. Uh, <laughs> so, and you especially are not running a business. Nobody no. wants you running their damn business. But the other thing, like you will, heartless. you will reach a point of complete apathy to the, to then it's like, why, why are we having this at all? Like you're going to get terrible players who are poorly coached by apathetic coaches and playing in front of no one uh, for the large part. I mean, the, the, the kids are going to go where people care, first of all, where they can get a scholarship, A, and then B, where people care about it and where the coaches are qualified and good. And I, I, so, again, I don't know anything about the Hartford field doc. I don't want to mean to pick on the Hartford field doc. No, but they, how in many general, you think went to the games this year, Pat? How good are they? What's that? How good is the Hartford field hockey team now? Who went? I, I have no idea. But I, well, I, would, I would bet that the Hartford field hockey team could beat the hell out of several, most Division three field hockey teams. Well, yes, Probably they can, all of them. but it cost them a million bucks. Sully, please don't put Hartford field hockey in the title of this podcast. This is we'd the actually worst like podcast. Shatter, shatter <laughs> records for the least listened to podcast. <laughs> this is my, my worst hosting job ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, we could have a pretty hearty debate over that. Like, Dan Wetzel <laughs> Savages Hartford field hockey because he can. <laughs> anyway, saying, to your point, I will say this, Dan, is, yeah, I think this could be a trend of the future. I mean, Wright State is doing a feasibility study of athletics, which has everybody there terrified that they're going to drop down. Eastern Washington has been discussing it and discussing whether they want to have football. But here's the thing that you do get. When Wright State is good in basketball, which is pretty often, you get... 5,000 people on campus and you get them going to games and you get students coming together to watch something that excites them. And if they're good at D3 basketball, you may get 500. Uh, so you got that. Eastern Washington goes to the NCAA tournament in basketball. They're pretty good in football. Students come together. Alums come. Fans come. It may not be the big house and it may not be Bryant-Denny Stadium, but you get people to coalesce around something at the school. On the D3 level, what was anybody coalesce around? All right, let's give you something that we all agree on. The city of Ames. Oh. <laughs> this Hooray. This Iowa State's not going D3. Because nope. they got D1 water, baby. They got <laughs> D1 water. 
They got high, high major, major water. High major water. At least they say so, which is Watch your back, thing. Fiji. <laughs> They're like Alabama football. They just declare themselves national champs all the time. <laughs> we have no idea. But we do know this. Ashton Pollard. Ashton Pollard, Northwestern University. Medill Hero School. of the podcast. Hero. Hero. Uh, this tremendous reporter was out, out in uh, Iowa and uh, is a podcast listener. And she dragged two of her classmates to the city of Ames simply to drink the tap water and report back to us as an independent verification. Because you can't trust any of those Iowans. They, they hype up everything. This is straight out of Chicago. Ashton Pollard. And she she went and they looks like they went to a Starbucks and got four cups or something. And they all asked for water from the tap. It's just the funniest <laughs> Starbucks order ever. <laughs> they were very careful to make sure it was not filtered because they wanted they wanted the pure stuff. They yeah. wanted it right from the I tap. Mean, this is this is a legitimate effort, man. Yes. Science, really. Art and science combined. Uh, Looks like they enjoyed it. Um, and One of the, the guys city- definitely looked bored in the picture. Like, what am I doing? <laughs> Why did I go out of the way to drink water in this town? Yeah, one guy's a little chap. There's no question. The other one's got his mask on. We don't know. He looks. Yeah. No, there's, yeah there's, and there's a third, third person not photographed. Someone else is in there. Didn't even want to be in the photo. Uh, the city of Ames itself actually responded to this tweet. Yeah, there was 45 minutes out of their way, Ashton reports. Uh, and they said, uh, we, we uh, all of our Ames water fans, which include us, oh, yeah. uh, are, are invited to a tour of the Ames water treatment plant. <laughs> That's big time. Ames, Ames water equals simply the best. Hashtag tastes like water. <laughs> that was my favorite. <laughs> Hashtag always aims. Hashtag smart choice. <laughs> One of Ashton's friends commented that it tasted like water after trying it at the Starbucks. So the good people in the city of Ames, knowing how to exploit a great marketing campaign, came up with hashtag tastes like water. It's pretty brilliant. I mean, <laughs> it's like got overall, milk. I mean, <laughs> overall great water. That was the that was the, the review. So, you know, strong, strong review of, of the Ames people. I'm terrified that this this ridiculous podcast now has real world implications, including people driving out of their way. Ashton, good on you. Uh, good person. You are a good person. I rarely say that. No, uh, you even more rarely mean it. But this in this case, we do. <laughs> we do mean it. Uh, all right. We got this one, too, here. I don't even know what to say. There is a movie coming out this summer. Hopefully all the theaters. We can go to the theaters. Uh, A Matt Damon summer blockbuster. Matt Damon. And the movie is called Stillwater. Secrets Run Deep. Mm -hmm. They're making a movie about Stillwater? (laughs) It'd be the second one. We we had a band called Stillwater and Almost Famous, a movie that Pete Thamel sent me. Thank you very much. Or else I still would not have watched it. But great movie. <laughs> a great movie. Called I sent him a DVD. I want to be clear, by the way. I didn't yeah, like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was so, right in Pat's wheelhouse. So. Oh, yeah. Good movie. <laughs> it's a great yeah. movie. Yeah. Good movie. Uh, do we do we have hopes for this one? Is, my, is Mike Gundy making an appearance? The plot is 
Matt Damon sits around, grows a mullet, and watches obscure right-wing cable news channels. <laughs> runs Hunts money through steak. the state. Yeah. Yeah, yeah runs money. <laughs> Matt Damon sends his order, his messy pig sandwich, and Eskimo Joe's cheese fries back, and a city's dark history is revealed. <laughs> <laughs> A town rallies around his T-shirt uh, choice. Uh, uh, a brawl <laughs> breaks out whether Pat Smith is the greatest Oklahoma State wrestler of all time or not. <laughs> <laughs> what in God's name are they going to do with Stillwater? I don't know if it actually involves Stillwater, Oklahoma. I'm just going. No, with it. he he actually goes to France. Like I looked up this plot. I'm like, is this like Paris, Texas? That thing. So <laughs> so Andrew Graham on uh, Twitter hit me back and said it's basically so deep fried taken is what he called it. <laughs> <laughs> taken uh, is is uh, I believe has Albanian roots. I believe the kidnappers are Albanian. So um, really? I've never appreciated the typecasting of the Albanians in that. <laughs> the Albanians are like they're like the old uh, '80s like Eastern European thugs. Yeah. Is that it? You guys yes. have taken that yes. role over now. Yeah. No, that taken, taken did us wrong. Taken did us wrong. <laughs> you don't all walk around scowling in black leather jackets, looking for people to <laughs> kidnap and beat up and stuff. I mean, I haven't known to scowl, but I don't know any leather. So okay, I used there to laugh go. at all those until I went to Sochi, Russia, and then it literally the whole city was filled with those guys. I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> Maybe we're not stereotyping the Russians. Everyone on the street looks like a Bond villain. That's weird. Yeah. It's like, huh. I want to mess with that guy. Yeah. Uh, will yeah, you watch Stillwater? They all look like Hitmen. If they, were all in, if they were all in the Ozarks, the, the price of Hitmen would be even cheaper. So <laughs> That's right. Pat, will you watch Stillwater, the movie? No, I don't even watch good movies, so I'm not going to watch that one. It's a Matt Damon movie. He's a good movie guy. Yeah, he's no. fine. He's fine. Only Boston. If it's not set in the in, in Boston, then it's not any yeah. good. Yeah, you're on the wrong house. podcast to rip Matt Damon, Pat. You're, you're going to lose Come that. On. You know, like, it's got like me and Dan hat. being anti-Kentucky Derby or something. Like, yeah. come on. Matt Damon. He's great. He's, he's speaking he's, of which, what's, is, is he, he great? I mean, he's fine. Is he great? I don't know. <laughs> You don't even watch I, movies. Now you're trying to become I mean, I've Siskel watched a couple Ebert. of his movies. I've watched a couple. I thought they were fine. You know? Wow. I mean, I don't uh, walk away, you know, I mean, saying I'm I, not gonna I'm not gonna say he's DiCaprio or yeah, De Niro okay. or something, but I mean he's like a I mean, this is a fairly big movie star, right? Yeah, he's a big yeah. movie star. It doesn't necessarily mean he's good. I don't know. Wow. I mean rough is he yeah, the like, disingenuous will hunting is that what you're gonna call him? <laughs> <laughs> it appears in one scene he goes to uh sonic really so oh well that would definitely be in stillwater yeah for sonic first ever sonic stillwater oklahoma yeah really oh suddenly some that. things are making sense now okay <laughs> sonic uh, uh, ooh, mm -mm. not good uh if you're wondering we don't have a lot of football to talk about this week <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is this is the pod for people who listen to the pod because they listen yeah, to the pod. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> so just, it's May. It's May. I can make something up. We can do something. You know? We can talk about toilets. <laughs> who should win the two? Who should win the two deep? Yeah, what's your toilet story? Enlighten us. I have a good toilet, toilet story. This is this okay. is like wheelhouse May pod fodder. So, uh, 
I'm on a, a little football trip through the Carolinas to see some folks and uh, went up to see a friend of the pod, Dave Clausen at Wake Forest uh, yesterday. He's a he's a diligent listener. He often listens to the pod to go to sleep. So I'm hoping <laughs> right. we can get some like insomnia companies to try to sponsor us. Sully, do you want to get on that? Like call some uh, sleep deprivation folks. So, so supposedly we can we can help uh, Coach Clausen fall asleep at night. First of all, Coach Clausen, not thrilled that uh, Wake Forest was relegated in our fake draft. They, he made that abundantly clear about six times as we were walking around mm. Wake's uh, really nice facilities, um, including the funniest comment he made like as we walked into like the $130 million renovation. He's like, just imagine we're going to crush it in the CAA with these facilities, Pete. And I was like, mm-hmm. thanks. Yep. <laughs> thanks. I told you not to do that. I told you. <laughs> <laughs> he actually expected one of you guys to do it. So, um, so anyway, we're, uh, we're we're wandering around, and Wake Forest has way nicer facilities than you would ever imagine Wake Forest having. Like they are, they are crown jewels. They've been given more since Dave's been there. I think now 10, 11 years. Uh, they've built like one hundred thirty million dollars worth of facilities. So it is facility wise as pristine as Alabama, Oregon, all these. So we started talking about Northwestern. As like, which I think is the crown jewel of facilities. Pat, you've seen Northwestern, right? Yeah, it's crazy. So you could argue because Northwestern houses other sports and is on the real estate, but 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 we we have two toilet factoids that longtime po- uh, podcast listeners would like. Dave has in his office his own bathroom. Now, when you when you go to enough of these coaches' offices, whether or not they have a bathroom becomes like a big point of contention. Pat Fitzgerald. Our sources told us does not have his own bathroom, so that's that's a huge a huge differentiating factor. But mm. but it is not the most fun Wake Forest toilet fact. All right, here's the most fun one. So Danny Manning was the coach at Wake Forest in basketball when they built the facility. So the bathroom off the Wake Forest basketball coach's office is built for a gentleman who's six foot eleven, right? Danny Manning's a good solid six ten, six eleven. So now Steve Forbes is the coach, and like the toilet doesn't fit. <laughs> so, so it actually or he requires doesn't fit the toilet. Yeah. Yes, yes, exactly. So it actually requires a stool. <laughs> no pun intended. Like a like a wooden stool. <laughs> to get or up to the toilet. Or as he said, his legs would fall asleep dangling from the toilet. <laughs> and he showed me the toilet. It's much higher. Like, you need a trampoline to get on the damn thing. <laughs> it's not. And Steve Forbes isn't a short guy. Like, he's uh, he's a taller guy. And I, I did notice the shower, too, is like, I, I've talked about it on the podcast, but I was the time I went to Gronk's house and they built all, like, yeah. the, like the doorways very big, like, it's a Danny Manning shower. Like it's a shower for somebody who's uh, who's six foot eleven. So, this is what we do in the off season. We go. Uh, you think we you go to school. replace the toilet? Uh, not, not that they're not that expensive. Yeah, it's like Home a Depot. pandemic. Do you really? You, he, Steve got hired during a pandemic. Do you really want to like rattle cages about the toilet? He he not. showed it to me very much jokingly. By the way, it was not it was not complaining. But that was that was clearly one of the more memorable uh, one of the more memorable things to uh, so, as it. On my uh, on my trip through through Wake Forest. Listen, where else are you going to get these kind of stories? Where else? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hopefully, Who the big Steve Forbes uses Forbes a squatty potty to get on the toilet. <laughs> I think Wake Forest. Oh, nowhere you know, else. For, from a hiring standpoint, they should look for only six nine or taller coaches now to fit the toilet. Or you know? this could be. Is this an extra benefit if he offers like a big man? He says, hey, you know, come to our, I got a toilet for you. Do you have to let every kid on student on the campus then use 
the, that's going to end up in an NCA. It's going to be an NCA violation. Watch this. Ice Miller is going to be defending this or something. Uh, he offered use of his private six foot eleven toilet to power forwards. Recruit. We're getting exclusive use of yeah. the toilet. The Everyone was students flo- all the big guys flocking to Wake Forest for yeah. use of the toilet. If they had um, that like extra two ply Charmin too, you don't talk about an extra benefit, right? Like, yeah. Oh yeah. All right. Speaking of uh, the Carolinas, uh, here's a scandal. This one's pretty funny. University of South Carolina President Bob Caslin, uh at the gave a speech, as you would as a university president, at the graduation ceremony and uh, made a couple errors. First off, the University of South Carolina president uh, congratulated the graduates as the newest alumni of the University of California. Oops. <laughs> Wrong coast. I mean, they're mistake. close, right? Like. <laughs> No. If I'm a USC, if I'm a if I'm a South Carolina grad, I'm like bonus, man. Yeah, Cal. I have to count. Your diploma just became more valuable. Uh, then he uh, plagiarized his speech uh, using the words of four-star Admiral William McRaven, who has an excellent book I've read, "Make Your Bed," uh, and he took the the speech out of "Make Your Bed." Uh, how the hell do you <laughs> one? One guy ran the war in Afghanistan. <laughs> One guy's a university president. Castlin uh, says he wasn't drunk at the ceremony. Uh, this has happened sober, which to me suggests he shouldn't be the president any longer because why wouldn't you be drunk if you're at the South Carolinas? <laughs> He's the only guy there that hadn't been drinking. Um, can we turn this into a football scandal? Oh, yes, absolutely we can because this is now an Army-Navy escalation. Uh, Bob Caslin, before he came to South Carolina, was the superintendent of West Point from 2013 to 2018, and he is plagiarizing a Navy guy. And so the the Naval Academy now has just, uh, if you don't think this is going to come up in the crossfire, uh, rhetorical crossfire only, uh, between Army and Navy next year when they play in football, Think again. Navy folks now saying, yeah, the superintendent of West Point has to plagiarize our guy. So there you go. December 13th or whatever in Philadelphia. Be ready for a little Bob Caslin roasting from the Naval Uh Academy. I'm ready, Pat. I'm ready now. (laughs) (laughs) A good plagiarist knows at least go a couple Google searches down, right? That's right. (laughs) Page two, page three. I mean, I feel like we have a lot of good plagiarists who listen to the podcast, too. Yeah. Like we're. We are artful, clever plagiarists, not, you know, red meat, mainstream plagiarists. We'll ask um, Ashton Pollard to check the Northwestern uh, journalist roles and see what, what if they got a clever plagiarist there. Things you learn when you cover coaching searches like way too much. Bob Cassett himself was a very controversial hire. So he had come in and then obviously was the president when they uh, dumped Muschamp and paid him a dump truck of money. And his hire took a couple weeks and like they barely landed the plane on his hire. So my gut here, um, and I certainly thankfully mercifully don't cover presidential hirings and firings is that it's going to be hard for him to survive this. Like just because he was not beloved and embraced, uh, they have a pretty powerful board there. Um, which was pretty handsy in the uh, in the Shane Beamer hire and throughout the coaching search and the Muschamp dumping. So, yeah, South Carolina is like is like sneaky aspirational Auburn is what we uh, is what we learned. <laughs> <laughs> and so <laughs> that might be the meanest thing you've ever said about anyone. 
Sneaky <laughs> That's not true. Auburn. I've been way meaner. Wow. I've been way meaner. I don't meaner. know, wow. man. If you're <laughs> wow. aspiring to be Auburn, whoa. Well, wow. I mean, you're not really aspiring. You're sort of like you're you're sort of starting to show traits, right? Okay. Like you have Auburn okay. upside. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there is. I don't. I'll stop myself. There. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it would be interesting to see if old Bob can survive this, and he probably and he probably shouldn't, right? Like, like, like you get the not. school you wrong, and it wasn't even like the president. Yeah, like it, it's just such a random one to get it mixed up with, too. That's red you know meat I mean? for the top donor that already said that she's never, you know, the Darla Moore oh. situation too. Like, yeah, like, she's ready to stick around. Already saying that she's gone. Like, the sharks are circling already. Yeah. Right. Watch your, forgot, watch your back, South Auburn. Carolina <laughs> forgot to note that their top donor's mother died. And yeah. so oh, she that, said yeah, she's not yes, giving yes, any more yes, money. Yes. Yeah. And uh, Clemson did. Clemson, yeah. they aren't even part of it. <laughs> yeah, Clemson so. sent a card. So uh, Clemson's, yeah. Clemson's administrators clearly it's, uh, it's were raised South well. Carolina. Yeah. I, yeah. Look so, how thoughtful we are. Please send us the money you were sending to South Carolina. We're going we're gonna, to uh, transition right into this. Because uh, Sully, I need you to play this uh, this tape. Uh, as we know, I have had uh, some issues trying to uh, properly pronounce uh, Coach William Christopher Sweeney's name. <laughs> we but got Dan I've... hooked on phonics for Christmas in hopes he <laughs> yeah. could get this right. Uh... <laughs> Is Mama named him William Christopher? I'm gonna call him William Christopher. <laughs> Some kid in the neighborhood or his brother or something kept calling him that boy, that boy. And in, and in Alabama lingo, it became Dabo. But I call it Dabo. I say it wrong. But I no longer feel bad because Sully, play this right here. You guys haven't heard this. Oh. This is an actual news report in South Carolina. Heather Dinich pulled this thing together from ESPN. It was on uh, social media this week. Sully, uh, play, cue the tape. It is an old debate here in the Carolinas and Georgia. How do you say this name, C-L-E-M-S-O-N? Well, tonight, head football coach Dabo Sweeney is weighing in, but make sure you say his name correctly. <laughs> WIFF News 4 is Mandy Gaither with more from Clemson. It's all new at 6. If you're a fan of the Tigers, you know you've heard it. The Clemson Tigers. Miami taking on Clemson. Touchdown, Clemson. One-dimensional Clemson team. The Clemson Tigers. Some national sports commentators pronounce the C word with a Z. Others with a P in there somewhere. There's a campus divided as well. It's Clemson all the time. <laughs> you say it right. I mean... It's an S, not a Z. There's no excuse to have a P in there. Like, no. <laughs> like, normal people are supposed to say Clemson. Team Z all day. <laughs> not a fan of the P. Dabo Sweeney is on Team P. Clemson, uh, with a little hint of a, of a P, you know. It's kind of the, uh, the invisible P. It's not Clemson. As head football coach of that C team, he knows a lot about mispronunciations. Rarely is his name said right. Dabo Sweeney. For Dabo Sweeney. Dabo. Coach, for the record, how do you say your name? Dabo Sweeney. Dabo Sweeney. It's not Dabo or Dabo. It's not just his first name, but his last as well. Dabo Sweeney. Because I don't want to get yelled at by Dabo Sweeney. And I know it's spelled Sweeney, but it's Sweeney. Don't ask me why. I have no idea. Uh, but uh, that's how you say it. There you go. Okay. There you go. This goes on. This is like a 60 Minutes report. On, on, they're, they're literally debating in South Carolina how to say 
Clemson. She says it's, it's later. It's Clim, like C-L-I-M, son. <clears throat> I don't slow, know why it, that's it. It's a slow news time in South Carolina as well as on the pod. But so I, yes. I, I'm not taking anything from, from Dabo who wants to put a P in Clipson. <laughs> He's taking it from your man, Dan Jenkins. And as long as it's semi-tough or whether it's in you got to play hurt, <clears throat> he refers to it as Clipson, C-L-I-M-P-S-O-N in there. He has Southern pronunciations of several schools. He's got Florida State. It's basically Flar, Flar State, Clemson. So that's where this is coming from. If Dan Jenkins says it's Clemson, I'm fine with Clemson. He's a Texan. <laughs> Do you think the reporter, when she got that assignment, like Tuesday morning on the assignment desk, she was like fired up for it? Or do you think she wanted to like resign and go into PR? I think it was her idea because she's sitting around bored out of her mind. Like, I got to come up with something here or else I'm going into PR. And then that's what she came up with. Today in investigative reporting, how to how to say the name of one of the two biggest schools in the state. And arguably the most recognizable person in the state. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, all right, there you go. Uh, I know I'm apologizing but for nothing. We we've heard it now. Dabo, 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 Dabo. William Christopher. They got everything up there. I don't mm-hmm. know. Hell of a football team, though. I'll give them that. All right, this has got to conclude this show. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think my mom would have listened this far. Like, can the damn season get here, please? <laughs> yeah, at least we don't Good have a pandemic. Lord. Yeah, to, at least to, we know there'll be a season. Thing. So, yeah. All right, we'll be back next time for more uh, exciting college sports talk. Talk to you then.